0: I'm so glad you took time out of your day to join us on The Clark Howard Show, because it's my belief that our mission will help you in your life by empowering you with knowledge that will help you make better financial decisions that will benefit you day in and day out, and hopefully for many years to come. In this episode, I'm going to begin by talking about credit card topic, paying down debt, and taking advantage of offers if you aren't someone who accumulates debt. And there's stuff to tell you, new developments on the fee front, where it seems like we're getting hidden fees everywhere we turn. And I want to tell you about fees that you might not expect that are going to come out of nowhere unless you're paying close attention before you click to buy. So got to tell you something about credit cards. There's some fear among the the big issuers about rising default rates. And so what happens is credit card companies, banks go through cycles in how they treat you, how much they're willing to offer you to lure you in as a customer. So the reward card area, the eye-popping kind of phenomenally generous offers that were made available in the back half of 2021 20, and through 22 have gradually declined the quality of the offers you get this year also company after company have followed chase in restricting access to bonus offers if you've gotten a card or cards too often, too recently from them. As an example, American Express now, if you got a big sign-up bonus from American Express on a card and you try to get a different American Express, they may approve you for the card but then invalidate the bonus offer that got you to sign up in the first place. And Chase has a very clear policy that when you go to apply, they'll tell you, yeah, you're not going to qualify for the bonus. So know that the reward game goes through cycles and we're in a down cycle for the rewards at this moment. It's because of the uptick in people that are running balances that are then falling behind on them or flat out defaulting on the obligations they had for the cards. There's another thing too. I mentioned to you I think it was about a month ago, that the average interest rate on a credit card when you're running a balance is the highest it's ever been since those records started being kept many decades ago. It's now over 22%. And when I was talking about the 22%, I said, you know, as a general rule, if you're running balances, you need to run to a credit union because generally their interest rates are going to be lower if you're running a balance. And then cue to today, I just read a report from the NCUA, that's the National Credit Union Administration. It's kind of like FDIC for banks, but it's the government-run entity that insures federally your credit union deposits at credit unions that are members of NCUA, which is most. Data they put out recently showed that the average interest rate at a credit union for a credit union-issued card is 12%. So now I got meat to put on those bones because when I talked about this, all I was talking about was generally a credit union card would be better, but it was just my experience. It was not actual data. Now I got it. So think about this. If you run a balance, remember the average card you have in your wallet, 22% plus interest rate, the average credit union card, 12%. That's a giant gap. Think about every month, more of what you need to pay off, every dollar you pay in, much more of that dollar is going to paying down that debt instead of paying interest to the stockholders of that bank. Remember, a credit union is a co-op. It's a nonprofit run by and for the membership. And that's why you get so much better a deal on checking accounts, savings, credit cards, vehicle loans, mortgages from a credit union than you do from a bank because you are the beneficiary of the better deals versus the worst deals at a bank where the whole purpose is to serve stockholders not customers and that's why I want you to really look at having credit union relationships and if you do run balances on cards credit union credit cards Visa's or Mastercard's from a credit union instead of from the Big Bad Bank. Krista? Okay,
1: this is from Darren in Texas. Do you ever go to the Falcons games? And if so, what is your sports stadium cost savings tip? Go Cowboys.
0: So I've never been to, what do they call it? Jerry's, not Palace. Are you looking Jerry's, at the wrong person? The, the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. But I have been to the stadium in Houston, down the road several hours from you, and I went there for the Super Bowl Ouch. in 2017 and watched my Falcons already virtually fitting the Super Bowl rings their fingers, and then they <laughs> forgot it was a 60-minute game, not 45. And Tom Brady's legend grew after that massive comeback. They even made th- uh, March 28th after that game a holiday in Boston. Nobody went to work. As they celebrated the Falcons being up 28 to 3 and folding like a pancake. Anyway, when I went to the game in Houston, parking at the stadium was a few hundred dollars. What did I do? It was a Sunday, right? Super Bowl Sunday. I parked near Rice University and took the streetcar for $2 down to the game and took it back. I ordered no refreshments at all in the stadium. I drank from the water fountain.
1: I have a picture of you drinking from the water fountain in the stadium.
0: Do you (laughs) You really? Yes, you sent me a picture. Yeah, because, I mean, everything was so expensive inside the stadium. And when I go to a Falcons game, I walk about a mile and a half from free parking to the stadium and walk back. So I'm getting roughly 6,000 steps in, Mm -hmm. and I save money not paying for parking.
1: How many times has your car been broken into when you've parked
0: Well, not for a Falcon game specifically, but over the years, my car has been broken into six times. Okay. Anyway, that's a cost of doing business. Is it? But but the Falcons have a lot of things you can buy that are priced below street price. Soft drinks, hot dogs, a variety of things that you can buy that are typically two bucks each. And it's quite a deal. And so I have actually purchase refreshments inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But my general policy is I never buy anything from a concession stand at any sports event, and I do everything I can to never pay for parking.
1: And and your tickets are
0: very high up. Upper deck end zone. Yes. The cheapest seats, the worst seats inside the stadium. And you still love it. Oh, well, football is my life.
1: This is from Jana in Florida. Thank you for responding to my question about Planet Fitness a few weeks ago. I have an update that you might be interested in hearing. I wrote to you because Planet Fitness would not allow me to upgrade my membership without giving them my checking account information, which I was not willing to do. Then they made the mistake of sending me a customer satisfaction survey email and I let them know how unhappy I was with their payment policy. The manager of my local Planet Fitness contacted me and said they would make an exception for me and let me pay by credit card. Maybe they will change that policy for everyone. I just wanted to let you know that being a squeaky wheel can get results. Thanks for all you do. We love the show.
0: I am speechless. I have never heard of anybody ever getting Planet Fitness to make an exception and allow you to pay by credit card. Now, the thing is, I think it'd be great if Planet Fitness, like I've encouraged other businesses to do, offered you the choice of paying by a cash method or you paying a little extra to cover their credit card merchant processing fees and pay by credit card, and then you get to make the choice. That's the wise thing to do, and I think it's fantastic. You were the squeaky wheel and you surprised yourself by getting results you never expected. But Planet Fitness is sailing up a stream against the current. And people want to pay electronically. They want to pay with plastic. So give them the choice. Yeah, you can pay 25 bucks if you pay by checking account. Or you can pay, I don't know, 26 bucks if you want to pay by credit card.
1: All right. Going to Adam in New York's question. He says, I will be turning 26 soon and will no longer be covered by my father's great insurance. I'm currently employed at a Fortune 500 company that offers insurance through Cigna. I'm wondering if utilizing healthcare.gov might be a good solution. I do not want my employer to have control over my healthcare. If I decide to leave the company or they decide to eliminate me, I want to have steady coverage. I have regularly occurring appointments with specialists for health issues and ideally do not want a high deductible plan. Please let me know what your thoughts are.
0: So Adam, first of all, I hope that whatever the, the continuing health issues are are not serious and that eventually you're good and can either do great disease management or that the conditions heal. Second, You're overthinking this. Take the employer coverage. You're with the big company. Uh, They only use Cigna at a Fortune 500 company to process paperwork. The insurance is actually not real insurance. It's health reimbursement offered by the employer. Use it. The employer is heavily subsidizing the premiums. They're giving you the coverage essentially. Take it. When you At some point down the road, you decide to leave this employer. They decide you're leaving. Whatever happens, you're able very easily with healthcare.gov to have no interruption in coverage, and when there's a change in your employment, change of conditions, you will have no gap in your coverage, and you'll be able to migrate either to an individual Cigna plan or some other healthcare plan you decide to buy at healthcare.gov. So take the heavily subsidized plan and worry about what you would buy individually at a future date. Coming up ahead, junk fees, junk fees, junk fees, hidden fees all over the place, but they're morphing. I want to tell you what you need to have your eagle eyes watching out for. My son was looking at buying tickets to a concert. He was going to go meet friends that were going to. it was an outdoor festival kind of concert thing. So he goes to buy the tickets and he expects the ticket's going to be it was outrageous. It was like110 dollars for this thing. But then he got to where he was checking out and the 110 became just under 170. My son being hopefully the wise one he appeared to be at this moment, said, Dad, I didn't go. I mean, I wasn't going to pay all those fees that they added on to it because the 110 was already a lot of money and then they wanted me to pay 170. And we've all been there, right? And the internet is really the cause of this. And I've shared with you before that the ability with the internet on your phone or on a laptop to shop around created this incentive in corporate America, to junk feed you to death. I was recently shopping for a hotel for my middle child, my daughter. What was interesting was the searches had changed from the way they used to be. And it was showing me a nightly rate, but then on the right-hand side, it was showing what the cost was for the four nights. And the cost for the four nights was almost twice what the cost was showing per night. Then you could click somewhere and you saw junk fee after junk fee after junk fee after junk fee, but the whole price was there. And several of the hotel chains have now adopted this new thing where you can see up front, they're going to charge you an amenities fee or a resort fee or a city fee or a fee fee or whatever it is you're now going to see it before you click to book that hotel. And this seems to be an emerging trend to deal with the lawsuits that various companies are being hit with for failing to disclose junk fees. So it's not that junk fees are going away. It is that they are truly morphing. That the experience my son had is going to become less and less common. That you'll have the bait and the switch, where they'll tell you the price is this, then you go to pay and it's much more. That You'll see real time, maybe a headline price, but you'll also see at the same time, and I've noticed this hotel site I was at, the daily rate, nightly rate, was prominently displayed, and over to the right, it was kind of grayed out, but it was there, showing the total. So I ended up finding a hotel that didn't charge all the junk fees. And even though the nightly rate was higher, the official nightly rate was higher, the overall cost was substantially lower than other hotels had been considering. So the junk fee thing, if it's disclosed in some way up front and it becomes part of the decision, is great. But you know, I always love to tell you stories about Frontier Airlines because Frontier makes it its purpose in life to bait and switch. And the one from Frontier that has enraged people is you think you've got your price, and then they charge you an internet fee that could be more than what they told you up front the cost of the ticket was going to be. I mean, really? So you break down trust with a customer when you do stuff like that. Just know, when you're using the internet to comparison shop, Many times it requires more steps than you realize to make sure the price really is the price, and not just a bait, and then you switch later to an actual much higher price.
1: Okay, Pete in Massachusetts wrote in saying, "I just wanted to mention something that happened to me today on Walmart.com. I was browsing the site for a baking mix I buy often, and I couldn't find it at the store." I put the item in my cart and then went to check out. The price was $5.82. The site asked me to log in, so I did. Upon logging in, the cart showed the product at $7.81. Wait, so,
0: uh, say the two amounts again. 5
1: 5.82 to 7. 7.81. 81.
0: So Just almost by logging 2. In.
1: Yeah. I guess my loyalty, like most things in the USA, means paying more. I opened a new tab, Incognito, used a new email, and got the item for the lower price.
0: No way, no way. I
1: thought this might be useful to other listeners. I had heard of this with flights and car insurance, but not Walmart.
0: Okay, man, this has been a debate for so long. Do companies really use discriminatory pricing? Something Amazon's been accused of regularly. I've never heard of it. With Walmart till this one time right here, that they are based on knowing who you are and you signing in, charging you a higher price, because I guess they think you'd pay it, but they didn't know you. <laughs> they didn't know you would create the new account, do the incognito. This is the most eagle eye I've heard over $1.99 difference. A lot of times it's gonna be for tens or hundreds of dollars difference. And I always suggest that there's a real value in doing a secondary search using private browsing or incognito or whatever your browser calls it so that you can see, are you actually being charged a higher price? Because if you are, uh, you may remember years ago, there was a contention that a number of websites were charging more to people that were searching from a MacBook Mm -hmm. versus a Windows computer. Because MacBook people historically were not as price sensitive as people who use Windows computers. I haven't heard anything like that, though, in recent years. And it could be
1: the browser. So maybe don't use Safari. Try a different actual browser, too. So I'm on Chrome. I'll go to, I don't even know what the, Microsoft's Edge now. Like, it used to be Explorer. I think it's Edge. And I'll check on there for a different price, too, if you don't want to do incognito. I thought you called that exploiter. You did. You did. Not me. No, I never called Explore.
0: That was Explorer. you. Yeah, Yo, wait, you're Mr.
1: Nickname. You. You're Mr. Nickname. Yeah, but I
0: never I never had a nickname for Microsoft Explore. But um, <laughs> but I love the Brave browser. Mm-hmm. A lot of people haven't heard of the Brave browser. Uh, there's a number of these that are smaller Firefox. alternatives. Firefox. 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 And then there's DuckDuckGo has its own browser that doesn't allow companies to track you. So there's there are alternatives.
1: Dave in Connecticut says, how would you like to be billed to pay property tax to your town for a vehicle that does not belong to you and is legally registered in another state? Well, that is happening here in Connecticut. I have a friend who visits me periodically throughout the year and parks their vehicle in front of my home. Evidently, because it has out-of-state plates and is parked in front of my home, it is subject to a Connecticut crackdown of out-of-state vehicles. The town subscribes to a service called the Municipal Tax Service, which looks for vehicles with out-of-state plates. Once they find that it's repeatedly parking at a given residence, the homeowner is billed a property tax based on the value of the vehicle. In my case, it's an annual tax of almost $900. Whoa! My understanding is this is split 50-50 between the town and the MTS. This seems so wrong to me. Do I have any recourse in this matter?
0: Okay, I got to tell you, I've known about this for a while, Dave. And you're the first person we've heard from, and it's not just Connecticut that is going on. There are a number of people who, number of different ways, are registering vehicles in states that have much lower annual vehicle costs, taxes, whatever you want to call them. So governments are cracking down on it. In your case, you're a completely innocent person who is being treated guilty till proven innocent. You have an appeal process. Connecticut, like other states, because there's a private outside organization that used technology to decide that you were a tax dodger, and you're not. So you use the appeal process that is available. I find these really easy to find online using any search engine to appeal this. And you've got an open and shut case because you are not the registered owner of this vehicle and the person is not a resident of your home, not your responsibility to pay the tax. I want to hear back how this works. You don't just roll over and pay the money. You fight it, you appeal it. I would be very surprised if this isn't a pretty easy appeal process for you.
1: This one's from Clint in New York. I received a promotional flyer in the mail from Dish TV offering free premium channels and a $500 MasterCard in addition to the low monthly rates. When I called them to confirm this exclusive offer, they asked for the promotional code on the flyer. The next question was to confirm the last four digits of my social security number. I was flabbergasted. When I asked how she obtained this information, I was told it was provided by Equifax, and this offer was only available to customers with very high credit ratings. Clark, is this legal? How can Equifax share my personal information with other companies without my permission? My wife and I have no business relationship with them. I never did confirm the last four digits of my social security number.
0: You should have grabbed the offer. Let me tell you the deal. The business that Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian are in is building dossiers on you that they then sell to companies over and over and over again. So you didn't give them permission To set up a dossier on you at Equifax and to profit from your personal information and credit profile. So, Dish would have gone to Equifax or Equifax would have gone to Dish and said, Hey, how would you like some qualified leads of people with outstanding credit records that you could pitch having Dish network to? And Dish is like, Wow, so this is gonna cost us X number of dollars per person who signs up, yeah, we'll do that. We'll make that money back pretty quickly. So they know you're a, a extremely low-risk customer, and they already have your personal information. They already know it all at Dish Network. So it is the law that permits Equifax TransUnion Experian to trade in your personal information, to build a dossier on you, and not compensate you for it. My belief has been forever that the marketplace solution is that if Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian want to build these dossiers on you and profit from them, they should have to pay you a commission on the money they make every time they sell off your personal information. And that would be a marketplace solution. Right now, you and I have no power under the law, no control under the law, Unless you establish a credit freeze. If you freeze your credit, it outlaws Equifax TransUnion and Experian from selling off your information over and over and over again. And putting a credit freeze in place will also help protect you from many of the worst forms of identity theft. And I want to thank you so much for being with us today remember we are here to serve you around the clock at clark.com and you want one-on-one free advice guidance or information you can talk with a member of the team clark consumer action center 30 hours each week see how to do that at clark.com slash cac and have a great rest of your day